Hey guys. Wow. Really? Y'all are the sleep in crowd. Like seriously, that's the most you can muster? Good morning, guys. All right. I guess that's okay. So hey, I am Luther, and I just want to go on and get this out like right out of the way. We are blessed at One Church to have some amazing communicators. Uh, Typically, 45 weeks a year, we get to listen to Chris, and Chris is as good as they come, of coming up here and clearly giving you a message that you understand and that hopefully God uses to change your life. The last five weeks, you've had Joel up here, and he's just knocked it out of the park. You just need to know, I am not a communicator. uh, My prayer back here before first service and before this service is just that the Holy Spirit uses something I say in spite of me. Don't get me wrong, I'm not an idiot, and I'm not that, like, humble, but the reality of it is I am not the communicator that you are used to seeing here. Uh, I will tell you that what I will give you today will be real. Uh, It will be born out of what God has done in my life, and it will be born out of Scripture. Um, But I just, I don't, if if you're here visiting, come back after the next two weeks. When we put a a real communicator up here who knows what they're doing, uh, and we'll knock this out of the park. So, guys, but I am terribly excited to have the privilege to stand before you for the next two weeks and talk about something that you've either walked through, you are walking through, or you're about to walk through. And that's the chaos of life. Um, It's just, we can't avoid it. Um, And so what we're going to do is this week, we're going to kind of talk about why why that is. Why is there chaos in our world? Why why do things get turned upside down? Um, The definition of chaos that I found was a state of utter confusion or disorder. And I don't think that even begins to encompass what chaos is. Um, in my life, when things are chaotic, they're much worse than that definition. Um, next week, uh, just to kind of give you a look ahead, we are going to talk about how when we place our faith in the wrong things, that we experience more chaos, not less. That somehow, that when, when you place your faith in your own ability, uh, even in religion, uh, your possessions, that those things will all fail you eventually. And it will add to additional chaos in your life. Um, and so these two weeks are going to tie together in the sense that we've got one scripture that we're going to kind of wrap both weeks with, and it's in Romans 8, and we'll get there in just a little bit. Uh, but we're going to look at two different times in the disciples' lives when they were in chaos uh, over the next two weeks. And uh, so I'm, I am excited to be up here. Once again, please accept my apology for wherever I fail you, but uh, we're just praying that the Holy Spirit's going to do something amazing today. So what I want to do to start off is I want to define practically what chaos looks like. And so, so for some of you, what chaos looks like is tomorrow morning is going to be a regular Monday morning. You're going to get up and you're going to tweet or you're going to put on Facebook like, arg Mondays. You know, you hate Mondays. And you're going to go to work and um, you're going to come home tomorrow night and you're going to be unemployed. And, and what you complained about Monday morning when you left the house is going to be the thing you wish you had when you got home. And that's something to get up and go do. Um... Somebody in here is going to get up and go to the doctor this week for a regular physical. And the doctor's going to walk back in the room and he's going to say, we need to run a few more tests. I don't know, but there's a chance you may have whatever scares you. Fill in the blank. Um, For you military guys, you know, you've done three, four, five deployments and you are worn out. And you go to PT this week, and then you go to your shop, and all of a sudden someone comes in and says, hey, remember that time we told you we weren't deploying for three years? And you were thinking, man, I got two years left, and I am out. Yeah, we're deploying in nine months. Or you're PCSing, and your new unit's deploying. 
And you just think, man, I don't know if I can do another one of these. I don't know if I got the mind for it. I don't know if my heart's into it. I can't take that again. Your wife can't take it again. You're up for reenlistment. You think it's a piece of cake. You're planning on being a lifer. It's benefits, it's pay, it's security. The deployments are lousy, but, you know, it's better than what you left in West Virginia, and they won't let you reenlist. And your security, your world is just ripped out away from you. For some of you, your kids won't behave. And it may be a two-year-old, and it may be a 20-year-old. And there's just nothing you can do. If they're older, they're running from God, and you're scared, and you, you can't make it right for them. Some of you would give anything to have a baby that would misbehave. I know in this room, some of you have lost babies in the last year. And you lost a dream. You lost a future. It wasn't just you lost a pregnancy. You were getting a new name. I mean, your new name was going to be Daddy or Mommy. And you were going to be a t-ball coach. Or you were going to go to ballet recitals. You had this whole future that just all of a sudden you were given in a moment when you found out you were pregnant and it was ripped away from you when you found out you couldn't, that you had lost your child. That's chaos. And in a room this big, I don't know your story, but I know you have one. And I know the moment that I said chaos when we started this 10 minutes ago, something inside your stomach kind of twisted a little. And you went back to a moment. You went back to a time in your life where it was just too chaotic. And sadly for some of you, you don't have to go back in memory. It's what you're standing in today. As you got out of bed this morning, you're already thinking, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. Chaos may be where you're standing today. And so, as I talk to you today, if, if I'm not, but if I was to take text questions today... The reality of it is, is probably we would have two questions that we were bomb- I was bombarded with. They may be worded differently, but those two questions are, why God? Why? Why do bad things happen to good people? And God, where are you? Why am I doing this alone? And I don't know that I'm going to answer all those questions for you today the way you need them answered. We're going to go to Scripture and we're going to try, to try to look at it and see how that plays out. But what I want you to know is I can tell you where God is in your chaos. He's right there next to you. Um, the, the, first set of, the first Scripture we're going to look at today is, um, it's in Matthew. And, and Jesus has been with the disciples and they've been out and they've had a, just thousands of people. And he's been preaching and Jesus is exhausted. And he's just fed like 5,000 people with like no food and plus all their kids and wives and slaves. and um, So he's tired. And so Jesus sends everybody away and, and we, we catch up here at Matthew 14, uh, verse 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. The disciples had found themselves in chaos. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't make a bad choice. 
They were actually doing what Jesus told them to do. And yet the world around them began to rock. And the waves began to get crazy. And as they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they begin to think, I don't, we don't know if we're going to make it. We're afraid. They were fighting. And uh, I actually had um, a friend of mine from here at One Church come up to me uh, after first service and tell me that he's been on the Sea of Galilee in a, and I forgot what kind of boat he told me. It's a small, like, special forces boat thing. Um, and they were paddling on the Sea of Galilee one night uh, doing some training. And just out of nowhere, the water went from glass to, like, waves that were coming over the boat. And he said, there was no storm in the sky. There was no, it just, it got crazy. And he said, it'll turn off that fast. And that's what happened to these guys. They went from everything calm, everything cool, everything under control, been in Jesus' presence, to thinking they weren't going to make it. And that's the definition of chaos. And sadly, that's what chaos looks like for us. It's things we don't control, things we don't cause sometimes. Um, a couple years ago, my family and I, we went on a uh, cruise for Christmas. And uh, Christmas Eve, um, I ended up, I think I went up to get a Coke or something, and it was like 2 in the morning, and I don't sleep. And um, I went out on the very back of the boat. You could look down and watch the propeller wash, and there was nobody else out on the top deck but me. And as far as I could see was just black, just water. And it was gorgeous. Water was pretty calm. Occasionally you'd see where the moon would reflect off some of the water and you get these little white caps, but just water as far as you could see. And I had a moment where I just realized, I am really small. Like in all reality, like if, like if I was in that water, I'm not swimming to anything that resembles dirt. I mean, I'm not getting there. I mean, it's me in the middle of a great big ocean, water as far as you can see, no land to come. And I'm not that smart. I don't know to be afraid of things. I'm just going to be honest. Like if a tornado ever hits my house and like levels it, you should look for me in my bed. I'm not going to a closet. I'm not getting in the tub. I'm sleeping. I'm just not smart enough to be afraid of things I probably should be afraid of. And so that night while I had that little moment of pause, I was cool. I just, you know, went on back down and I thought, wow, that was gorgeous. We woke up Christmas morning on this cruise ship, and I, I want to tell you, this was one of Carnival's, if it's not their biggest boat, it's pretty close. Like every time we went into port and there'd be like eight or ten boats, we were twice the size of anything else there. So we'd been cruising, and the thing didn't move. You know, you walked around, you did stuff, you swam, you watched a movie, you know, whatever. You could go like play ping pong or pool, and the table stayed still. We woke up Christmas Day, and something had changed. Like the water was moving. And the boat was moving. And I remember Christmas night, I sat where we ate every night. And I, I looked out the back of the boat. It was all glass. And as I, as I was eating, I would see water, 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 water. Sky, 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 sky. Water, 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 water. Sky. And it's, it's not great for a meal. I'm just saying. It's, you can only fill your glass up halfway because you watch the liquid in it do this. And then we went to see like a Christmas show in the theater at the front of the boat. And we were coming out of the theater about midnight, 1230, and the boat was big. It was 300 yards long, and there was a hallway that we were on that ran about 850 feet, right from the theater all the way to the back of the boat. And so I'm, we're walking down that hallway, and, you know, this would be one side of the hallway, and this would be the other. And I'm walking with about 500 of my closest friends as we're all leaving the theater, and we're all walking straight. And I have kids, so of course, we were in the back because it took us longer to get out of the theater. 
And, and as we're walking down this hallway, here's what I see, everybody in front of me. It's like everybody's over here, and they're walking. And then they're bouncing on this hallway, and then they're walking, and they're back over here. And nobody moved. I mean, everybody was walking in a straight line, but the reality of it was, was that the world underneath them was doing this. And so they were in the midst of chaos, even though they were walking a straight line. Just like the disciples were doing what Jesus told them, and chaos still came. And that's one of the answers to your questions today. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because bad things happen to all people. Doesn't matter if you're good or bad, because you're never good enough to be as good as God. And so the disciples, who we're assuming are pretty good people, like they're doing something right. These are like the 12 guys that Jesus chose to keep closest to him. If they're going to walk in chaos, we should probably go on and know we're going to walk in chaos. Go to verse 25, Walt. Um, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! I find that kind of amusing and very true at the same time. This was Jesus. This was like the one guy in the world that they should be looking for. And this is God. The only person who could save them in their current situation. And when he comes walking towards them, they don't recognize him. Because what happens in our chaos is things get so crazy is that we lose the ability to recognize truth and a lie. Everything becomes skewed. And these guys had the one person who could save them coming right at them, and they thought he was a ghost, and it made them more scared. And you and I do the same thing. Our life turns to chaos, and instead of running to the truth that is God, and the answer and the Savior that is God, what do we do? We post something on Facebook. hope someone gives us a nugget of wisdom in our comment line. Um, we read our horoscope. If you're really dumb, you look at a fortune cookie. You get your palm read. I mean, you call a 1-800 number and some psychic's going to give you an answer. You completely lose the ability to understand that you have friends and you have enemies and that your friend in that situation is God and anyone who will speak Christian truth into your life and the enemy is anyone who does the opposite and that's Satan and Satan wants you to look at everything but God for your answers. And yet we all do it. You lose reality with truth. It's the reason you need to be anchored in who God is and what God is and what truth is when you're standing in peace. Don't wait till you're in the midst of chaos to wonder who God is. The God you know in your peace will be the God that will anchor you in your chaos. Verse 27, Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? I love this, because this is so true of our lives. And guys, I just got to be honest. Those couple verses I just read, that's like a five-week sermon series. So I'm not going to begin to unpack anything there uh, that I would like to. 
I'm going to try to give you 30 seconds of something you need to hear out of that. So many times, even when we run to Jesus as we come out of our chaos, we take our eyes off who is saving us. And we began to pump up our chest. And we began to say, look what I did. Look at me. I'm sure Peter was the only one who got out of the boat. And at some point, he'd taken a couple steps on the water and he was like, yeah. He looked back and was like, suckers. You know, and he was like, look what I'm doing. And in the moment it became, look what I'm doing, I began to sink. Because it was Jesus that was letting him walk on the water. And so what happened is what happens to us. He came out of the frying pan and into the fire. He was at least in a boat a minute ago. There was a chance he was going to float through the storm. Now he's out there just sinking in the water. But Jesus is there and he reaches and he picks him up. And he pulls him up and he takes him back to the boat. And what I need you to know about what we've talked about so far is that if you're here today and if you started a relationship with Jesus last week, last month, five years ago, and it was a get-out-of-hell-free card or fire insurance card, and that's all you got, and Jesus is an acquaintance, you don't have enough. You're not ready for the chaos of your life that's coming. It's not a matter of if there's going to be chaos in your life. You're not standing in it now, it's coming. And if you don't have a God that you can hold on to, if you don't know Him, you're going to be tossed about. You're going to bounce back and forth down that hallway. And I hope you stay in the boat and don't end up in the water. What I want you to know is if you're standing in peace today, today is the day that you need to start to chase after God as hard as He chases after you. Because the, la- the song that Josh finished with, I asked him to do, and uh, I, I appreciate him doing that. And, but it's the name of the song, it's The Great I Am. Not the great I did or the great I will do. God is the great I am. And what's important in that for you and I to realize is that when you read God's word and you find a promise that looks like it will sustain you through a storm, it's not a lie. Because God cannot lie. The difference in in you and I and God is that we choose to tell the truth, hopefully most of the time. God is truth. Like There's never a moment where God has to say, well, if I say that, I'm going to get in trouble. Or if I say that, I may lose my job. It's going to affect my reputation. Because even if you tell truth, that's what happens in your head when you have that choice. I mean, even if you're honest, you've you got to fight that battle. God doesn't. God is truth. It's not something he does, it's who he is. And so when you find something in God's word that you can hold on to, you can know it's true when, when, you, when you're standing in peace, and you can know it's true when you're standing in chaos. God doesn't choose to love you every day. It's not a choice. God is love. I know that to be true because it's in God's word. And I need a God who just loves me because some days I'm not that good. In fact, some days I'm pretty bad and there are days that I don't feel like I deserve to be loved. And if God had to choose to love me, there might be this moment where I think he doesn't. And if my life's gotten hopeless and now I don't think God loves me because I don't know that he speaks truth and I don't know that God is love, man, I could make some really bad choices. I could get out of the boat and start sinking. 
And I need you to know that God is love. And there are so many more things like that in God's word that are true. And, and Chris can't stand up here enough and do that for you. And Joel can't come up here and do this for you. And Lord knows in two weeks with what I know, I can't do this for you. If you want to know the truth about who God is in your peace and in your chaos, it's something you've got to do. You've got to get in God's word. You've got to talk to God. And the thing we don't tell you to do often enough is you've got to listen to God. You've got to shut up every so often and be quiet. You've got to know God. If you don't know him, you don't have an anchor. And I don't want to give you a Christianity that, that feels good and sounds good. And, and, and I don't want to come up here and tell you that life's going to be easy because that's a lie. I can find you four or five pastors, probably on TV right this minute, who will tell you that if you love Jesus enough, your life will be happy. And that's just not true. It's not in God's word. You know, Chris and Kim did a marriage series a while back. And I got to be honest, if you heard nothing else in that series, the thing you need to know is marriage is in with both feet. When you get married, you're never told that you're going to be happy. Marriage is a commitment to be miserable with somebody for the rest of your life. You're just not going to do it alone. And if you're aiming at a different target, you're one foot in, one foot out. And I'll be honest, which way are you going to lean? When life gets hard, you lean out. So your commitment's two feet in. And that's what life is. That's what God's telling us here. Even when you're doing what I tell you, it's going to be hard. It's a commitment to be miserable with me. One of the things I love about being old, I am the oldest guy on staff at one church. And that's hard for me to believe because it just seemed like two or three years ago I was the youngest guy at most churches I was at. And I was the guy with vision and, um, and now I'm the old guy loving on the young guys, trying to support them and hold their arms up. And, and, I, and I love what I'm doing, but the only thing I probably love about being old is this thing I affectionately call the rearview mirror. And it's the ability to go back, and I don't necessarily have to go back to God's word, to the Old Testament or New Testament, to find out how God treats people when they're in chaos. Because I can go back to my story. And I can go back and see how God has acted in my life in the past. I can go back 13 years ago when I'd made some bad choices and I had no friends and I lost a ministry and my marriage was about to fall apart and I was in total chaos. And I was sinking and about to drown. And I can see the God that came along beside me and picked me up and wrapped his arms around me and said, I still love you. Never stopped. I am love. This is going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a while. I'm going I'm, I'm to let it hurt for a while. You need to change. But he never left me alone. And I have something that when life gets hard today, I don't have to ask somebody, hey, what does God do when life gets hard? I don't even have to go to my Bible. I can go to my life. I can see God's word lived out and breathed out and walked out and how he's, how he's treated me. You know, there's a chapter, and I don't even remember how far back I go with this. I've been saved for 20-some-odd years, 22 years. And I grew up in church all my life. Psalms 27 is one of those chapters in the Bible that I just hold on to. 
It's like it's that thing I don't let go of when life gets chaos and I'm and I'm walking straight, but things are going left and right, and I can't see and and I'm not going to read it to you and. You need to have your own, but, you know, it has verses in it. Like, if my mother and father forsake me, I'm still there. If my enemies come against me, you're there. You'll hide me in a rock. You'll... It's this promise from God that he's there, and he's bigger than whatever I'm walking through. And you need that. You need to have something that you hold on to. And so for the rest of this morning, I'm going to try to answer the question that, that, that we talked about at the beginning. God, where are you? Where are you in my chaos? Where are you in my pain and my fear and my insecurity? Where are you? And for the next two weeks, we're going to go to this same passage. And we're going to talk about where God is. Um, Paul wrote a letter to, to the church in, in Rome called Romans, strangely enough. And, and these were people that heard a message of salvation and of God's love. And they heard this beautiful story of God saying, I love you so much, I'm sending my son to die for you. And it means you get eternal life. And you get to have my joy. And I think at some moment, we confuse joy and peace with happiness. Because these Roman Christians, they, didn't, they weren't happy. Nero was the emperor, and he didn't like Christians. And they started being beaten, and they started being slaves. And... Eventually, they were put into the Colosseum, and they were fed to lions, and there was just not, you know, this is, you know, this is together in misery, you know? There was nothing happy about their lives. And, and this is one of those passages that lets me know that Paul and I would have been friends, because he uses some sarcasm here, and sarcasm is my native tongue. Uh, I'm an English as a second language student, and, you know, um, and so Paul comes back, and he answers all these things, all this chaos in their life, and in verse 31, he says... What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? That's some heavy sarcasm. And then he gets real with them. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? And man, that everything else there is lousy. Because that's not prosperity gospel. That's not God's going to give you a good job if you love him. And that's not God's going to make your, parent, your marriage be perfect and your kids behave if you love him. That's not the everything else he's talking about. He's talking about life. And some days life is good. And some days you do get the promotion. And some days you do feel like your wife loves you more than air. And some days your kids say yes sir and yes ma'am. But some days they don't. And all that has to be wrapped up in the everything else. Because if Jesus had to walk through chaos, what makes us think we don't? If God put Jesus here to be abused, to be killed, to be taunted, to be made fun of, what makes you think you and I are going to get to walk through life without chaos? And that's a harsh message. I mean, it is. I mean, I know what I'm up here saying doesn't sound good. But it's truth. That's the answer to your question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Bad things happen to all people. If you're not standing in chaos today, just go on and buckle down. It's coming tomorrow. And I'm going to read kind of a long passage here. It's verses 33 through 39. And I'm going to be honest. As I get to verse 38, I want you to know 38 and 39 can be that anchor. Some of you, if you don't have something from God that you hold on to, you don't have that thing that you wrap your arms around, 
this is it. This is the answer to where's God? Where are you? Verse 33, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Did it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. And here it is. This is your anchor right here. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's your answer. Where's God? He's right there with you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't let go of you. Um, I know for some of you, you're visual learners. And for some of you, you need something more tangible than what I just gave you. It's not enough. I need more. And so, so I'm going to, I've got a visual of what we're talking about today. And, you know, and for some of you, you're standing in this chaos today. And what I've said sounds great. And it sounds like fun. And, man, I wish I had something to hold on to. But Luther, I'm not in peace right now. And I don't have time to figure this out. I need help today. Where's God? Where is he? Why am I in this pain? And where you are right now is what you feel like. Is it when, you know, when you met Jesus and you felt like you and God, God's love were stuck together. Because life was good. Life was peaceful. There were even some days that were happy. But I'm sitting in the doctor's office and he just walked out and, dear God, where are you? You come home from work and your spouse says, I don't love you anymore. Whatever this is for you, that person was ripped from your life. And this is what the world tells us we have. The world tells us this Christianity thing is fluffy and sweet and kind and wonderful. And what it is, is it's you ever connected to God. And sometimes it's, it's not lovely. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's not fun. But you are never, ever, ever separated from God's love. And so because I'm a man, I'm a manly man even, I got tools. So I brought my tools out here with me today. And if you were at Big Stuff this year, you know where I'm going, and so just be quiet and don't give it away. And 
I'll still love you guys. I completely stole this from a guy at Big Stuff. But I got to be honest. This works. You need an anchor. And so I went and looked on the shelf and I found some Elmer's wood glue. And Elmer's promises me that it bonds stronger than wood. That once I'm together with God's love, or you are together with God's love, that the bond is stronger than I was before the glue hit me. And that's what we need to hear today. Is that I need to know that I am forever connected to God's love. And it's not based on my situation. It's not based on my happiness. And it's not based on anything in my environment. Because my environment will be chaos. The world will shake. But you're connected to God's love. And that's a great illustration, but I don't think it goes far enough. I don't think you get it yet. I don't think you understand just how connected you are to God. It's more than glue. And so, because I'm a man, I have a big drill. Like I'm overcompensating for something. I've got to be honest. That's, that's scary. It's even got a light. And because I am Ronnie Parker's son-in-law, it's a craftsman, because he always said any tool worth having should be a craftsman. And... Um, and so we're going to put a couple screws in this because we need to hold this together forever. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. This didn't go so well first service. I maybe should have pre-drilled the wood first service or at least maybe tapped a nail in it and make a hole. Um, this didn't go so well. But what I want you to know, there's a moment where you accepted God and you were forever driven together with Him. Never to be separated from His love. Maybe. This may be the worst illustration in history. Um, they may, you may have someone else speaking next week because this may now go bad two, two services in a row. Yeah. And so, so maybe that glue is good enough and maybe that is a great picture. And maybe it's a good thing that I did stop cussing at some point a lot. And... Uh, now I can't even get them back out, and that's really going to be poor. Ugh. All right. This is what chaos looks like, you know? This is, this is a lack of order. It's, you know, everything's out of control, and nothing's doing what I told it to do, and maybe I got a little carried away and bought screws that were way too big to use on this, and uh, maybe we got a beautiful picture of chaos and some damage there, and and so what we're going to do is I'm going to move to something I know I can control. Because I knew the screws, even if they went in, wouldn't be enough. I have a really big hammer. I like big tools. What, what happens in your life is life starts pounding on you. And you feel like that that pounding is driving you away from God's love. And the world tells you that every time this hits you, that you are being pulled away from God and that could not be farther from the truth. Every time you feel pounded and you feel like you're not in control, the reality of it is you are not in control. God's in control. 
And what's happened is you have been driven closer to Him. And every time you're pounded on, it's a reminder that you have a story that says, God's here with me. He'll never, never, never leave me. When it says not height or depth, that means the top of the highest mountain or the bottom of the deepest sea, not angels or demons. I've never hung out with an angel or, de- angel or demon, but I don't want to, you know, I'm not looking forward to the moment where I get a demon, but they're not powerful enough to pull me away from God's love. Guys, the reality of it is, your sickness can only take away your health. It cannot take away God's love from you. Death can separate you from your body, but it does not separate you from the love of God. We live in a broken world, surrounded by broken people, and broken things happen to us. We're affected by evil people. And I thought, you know, that should be enough. But it's not. Because if you want to fix something, you need duct tape, right? Not only does duct tape fix stuff, I think it makes it prettier. I own two silver cars because they're the color of duct tape. And uh, so I thought, let's do this right. And so if you've ever tried to take duct duct tape off of something, you know that there's a residue there. Like, I can pull them apart, but they're never the same. That's what you need to understand, is that you're never the same after you meet Jesus. That you're always going to have his love stuck to you. There's no getting that off. I mean, even if you pulled some of the top layer of tape off, that wood and that love is stuck to you forever. And so for some of you, you're walking through chaos right now. And I'm sorry. I am. And I'm more sorry that some of you are walking through chaos and you don't have an anchor. You don't have anything to hold on to. And what I want you to know this morning is that you can never be separated from God's love. And it may be silly, but I'm just going to be honest. Some of you may need to come up here when this service is over. Take a picture with this. Print it off, put it on your fridge, make it the background of your phone. I don't care. Make it your Facebook profile pic. I don't care. You need to know every day as you're walking in the midst of your chaos, you need a reminder that you cannot be separated from God's love. You need to be able to hold on to Romans 8, 38, and 39. Those need to become verses that you hold on to. You need to grab this thing and hold on to it and not let go. Not just hold it. I mean hold it. You need an Abba God. You need a Daddy God. I can claim those truths that God's told me because He's truth. And God told me He's a Father. And I'm a Father. And I've got two little girls that we just brought home from Ethiopia. And one of them is four. And so she acts like a four-year-old. And she's been known to have a temper, temper, a temper tantrum or two. And uh, sometimes she doesn't want to be held when those are going on. And sometimes I go over and pick her up anyway. And I hold her in close and tight. And sometimes she fights me. Just like sometimes we fight God. The beautiful thing about God is he's big too. And you can't, you can't be too angry for God. You can't even cuss at God too much. You can't scream at him too much for him to push you away. As you get in his lap, and you sit there and you scream, Why, God? Why? 
He just wraps his arms around you and holds you in tighter and tighter. Until at some point, just like Emma does with me, she calms down and she takes that little bitty hand and she puts it up on the back of my neck. And she just gets quiet. And for you, I want you to be able to climb up in God's lap. Let Him feel you pull you tighter and tighter into His arms until you just let go. You stop thinking it's about you. That you understand that you don't understand. That it's not about this earth and it's not about these things and it's not about our stuff and it's, it's just, it's not about that. It's about God's plan. And that may mean that you don't stay here as long as you wanted to. But I want you just to get up in His lap till you get that and relax. And put your arms around him just like he's holding you and get quiet and get still. Um, our big idea today, Walt's going to put up, um, in your peace or your chaos, we can never be separated from the love of God. You're forever connected. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never started that relationship, you're loved but you're still out here. He's chasing you. God wants to pull those two pieces of wood together. He wants to ever be connected to you. And I'll be honest, here at One Church, we don't believe that's a 10-second, scare you into it, come down here, sign a card, and go away moment. We believe that's the change for the rest of your life. And we believe that should be a conversation. Um, and so myself and Chris and Patrick and Josh and bunch of folks out there in red t-shirts would love nothing more than to talk to you when we're done today and to have a real conversation about what it looks like to be connected to a God who will love you forever, regardless of your actions, regardless of what you do. Um, I'm going to tell you guys how much I appreciate you letting me come up here and show you that I can't use a drill. And uh, um, really looking forward to next week is we're going to look at another point in time where the disciples really struggle with their chaos and seeing God and seeing Jesus for who he really is. Uh, so I hope you all make it back. Uh, I am going to put this up here over next to the speaker, and I'm, I'm serious. There may be a couple of you. This needs to be something you hold on to. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't worry about who sees you do it. If you need to do it, come get a picture with it. Come, whatever that's got to be for you. Dig into God's Word this week. Chase God. If you don't know how to do that, come see one of us. We'll help you. All right, guys? Patrick's going to come out in just a second after I pray. They're going to come take offering, and we'll get you guys out of here. Dear God, I love you. And God, I thank you that you are big, and you are real, and you are always standing right here with your arms wrapped around me, loving me. God, as I know some of the chaos that exists in this room, and I know some of the pain that people are walking through, God, I pray that not only would you be present, but that you would be felt. And God, for some of these lives that are falling apart, they would feel that glue between you and them. And God, they would realize that pounding that they're taking is not them being driven away from you, but them being driven closer to you. God, your Holy Spirit would wrap around them like duct tape. Never to be separated from them, God.
Be big. Show off. Do what you do. In your name we pray. Amen.